Welcome back to the Hollywood Growler podcast. I'm Dan Kern, and this is episode nine, if you can believe it already. Uh, We were at the Backstreet Brewery interviewing Tim Barrow and Bob Whedon, and uh, we had a little guest appearance by their bartender, Joey, and we had a very open conversation and tasted a lot of really great beer, and they sent us home with even more great beer, uh, and they uh, accompanied us over to the Orange County uh, Brewers Guild by by monthly meeting, I think it was, and we had a really nice time over there uh, at Bruheim with our with our friends at Bruheim and our new friends at the Orange County Brewers Guild. Uh, we were out on their back porch, so you might hear some wind every once in a while, but I think we got most of that out in post. We hope you enjoy the episode. And uh, we hope to see you soon at the next Orange County Brewers Guild event called Palette. Uh, we talk about it a little bit in the episode. And if you listen at the end, Connor uh, did an end segment uh, and he gave you all the details for that event. If you, if you haven't heard of it, go to the Orange County Brewers Guild website, check it out. I guarantee you're going to be interested in it. I hope you can go and I hope we'll see you there. Uh, in the meantime, enjoy this episode, episode nine, Backstreet Brewery of the Hollywood Growler podcast. Thanks. See you soon. Thank you for joining us again. We are the Hollywood Growler. We are your podcast for everything that you need to know about craft beer and craft brewing in Southern California and beyond. I am your host, Dan Kern. With me, as always, is Connor Simpson, industry insider. And today we are very excited to be on the back porch of the Backstreet Brewery, which is in Anaheim, California, and we are joined by the owners and brewers, uh, Tim Barrow and uh, Bob Wheaton. Is that right, Wheaton? Wheaton, like Sweden without the S. Excuse me. Okay. You may recall that we had a conversation with them at the uh, very opening of the Orange County Brewers Guild event. Uh, It was the Invitational. Uh, They were our first guests that day. And uh, they're, they're so gracious as to have us here at the brewery for a full episode uh, to this afternoon. The reason, the other reason that I mentioned the OC Brewers Guild is that they are doing an event on June 6th. It is called Palette. It is a uh, very uh, high-end, sort of avant-garde type event. Uh, they're going to be taking food and tasters from the, uh, the best chefs that they can find here in Orange County and pair that with uh, beers from the best brewers that we have here in Orange County. It's going to be uh, a new type of event for Orange County, uh, kind of a combination of a taste of and a tasting event for the brewers. We're very excited about it. You can get your tickets at the Orange County Brewers Guild website. Uh, I believe they're going for a hundred bucks per ticket. Um, but keep an ear out and watch our social media. The last time that we covered an event for Orange County uh, Brewers Guild, we got a little discount code. So we don't know for sure that that's going to happen again. But, you know, watch this space. Yeah, because we're legit now. <laughs> <laughs> but what time was that event at, Dan? Uh, it's in the evening on June 6th. I don't have all the details just yet, but you can get all of those details at uh, the Orange County Brewers Guild website where you can get your tickets. All right. Well, so now that you know that you're going to see us over at the Palette, let's get on with Tim and Bob here. Thanks, guys, for having us today. Yeah, welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So um, you're in the middle of a brew. 
Shut the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we timed that really well. <laughs> so, so you had to close the door for us. Thank you for that. Um, but uh, so what are you guys cooking up today? So right now we're doing a, uh, a honey blonde ale that we actually contract brew uh, for uh, another brand that we uh, discuss that a little bit more in detail. I think a little bit later in this podcast. Okay. Um, we had said that we were going to start. Uh, many people around Orange County uh, know Lamppost Pizza, and whether they know it or not, they may have had your beer there at Lamppost Pizza. That's kind of where it got started uh, for you all the way back in 1998. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history uh, and how you got here today? All right. So, uh, yeah, my family owns um, Lamppost Pizza corporate at one of our corporate locations uh, in Irvine. We had uh, the suite next to us uh, came available, uh, placement out of business. So we took it over um, and instead of uh, expanding our dining room, we decided to put a neighborhood brew pub. I was still in high school. My dad and uncle um, opened the, the brewery. They, they knew nothing about brewing. They hired a um, kind of an advisor and a head brewer. We're kind of a local neighborhood uh, microbrewery. So that's how things started out. And then uh, I was working for, you know, on the restaurant side of things. I was, I think, 17 at the time. Sh- little shift manager at the pizza place, got a key to a brewery, which was pretty cool. Um, made for some cool high school parties later. <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, we, um, so we started out doing that and was kind of neighborhood brew pub. And then we opened another one in Vista in 2004. And, um, and then kind of kept things pretty stable for a while. And then uh, 2014, uh, we started messing around with the uh, bottling and distribution. And back then, everybody was doing 22-ounce bombers. So uh, we didn't have the space for it. So we literally bottled in the back alley of Lampost. Um, we were on office cone uh, feeding the fishies. Um, probably shouldn't say that. But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so we started out doing that. And then quickly realized uh, we needed a new facility. So I happened to be in grad school at the time, wrote a business plan on kind of restructuring the company and building a production brewery to really supply our distribution network. So we uh, pulled the equipment out of the Irvine location, remodeled that. So next to that lamppost is now just a a tasting room. And uh, some of that equipment's here, actually all of it's here, but now we have a lot more uh, capacity. And, and then, yeah, so the whole purpose of our Anaheim Brewery is to supply, well, yeah, supplier distribution network, um, our other tasting room. Uh, we have a brewery down in Vista, which I mentioned that uh, they'll sell a, a few of our beers. And um, and then the tasting room here in Anaheim is kind of like a fun little bonus. But the real purpose of this facility is around uh, production. So. That's awesome. It sounds like from the beginning, high school, you're meant to, you know, be in part of the business. Uh, so you're already learning everything when you're in high school and being like a manager and whatnot. I mean, I think that's a really cool and lucky way to be introduced to business and then on to grad school and everything else that came in. Yeah. I mean, sounds like you just had all the right pieces and you used them. So, yeah, I was kind of mentored by a few of our brewers over the years. Um, and then pretty much had like the choice. Do I want to keep slinging pizzas or do I want to uh, make some beer? So that's a tough uh, decision. It's a tough decision, but it's pretty easy. Um, so, uh, yeah, so it, it, I, I had a lot more fun on the beer side of things. So um, you can only do 
uh, the restaurant world for so long before you burnt out. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so started doing this, having a lot more fun with it. And, um, yeah. What would you mind me asking? Uh, where'd you graduate from grad school? Uh, undergrad was Cal State Fullerton and grad school was National University. Awesome. Good stuff. Uh, we want to thank you. You, uh, started us off right here this afternoon with, uh, some animation IPAs. Is that a, that's the Blood Orange IPA? No, no, this is just the regular animation. The okay. Blood Orange is a similar, it's basically the same beer, but the Blood Orange obviously has Blood Orange in it. So um, tell us uh, tell us about animation. It's Mosaic Hops, right? All Mosaic, yeah. Okay. Uh, Bob, why don't you go ahead and sure. take this to the beginning of that beer. There's okay. a little story behind it. Yeah, uh, well, I'll start at you, Phil, and where I leave off. Okay. Um, so Disney approached us about getting a beer on, and we kind of were working for that with them about which beer, uh, what to call it. And essentially they named it uh, because it's on at award winners in uh, California Adventure right outside the uh, animation theater. Mm. So that's why we call it Animation IPA. No real, you know, um, that was more of their input. Um, So we crafted this IPA just for Disney. Um, You could only find it in our tasting rooms and out the the park there. Um, And they tell us we do really well there. It's one of their best sellers. So uh, I trust their judgment. I mean, they may, they may just be really nice, but I'll take it. No, um, not that. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They keep reordering, right? That's so, in fact, yeah, I dropped. I dropped a few off today. So, uh, awesome. which is the important thing, as long as they keep reordering. Um, so that's the bare bones of that story. Is there any like talk a little bit stuff? about the beer? It's an awesome beer. It's one of my favorite beers. Um, it is. Uh, so there's eleven pounds of mosaic that goes into the. Uh, the, the boil and there's a bunch of in the um, in, in the dry hop side, but it's all pretty much late edition. There's very few pounds of hops that go in the beginning, so it ends up being a really good, palatable, drinkable IPA. It's not gonna punch your taste buds. I know, I'm almost done. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very like, especially in like kind of a humid day like this, mm-hmm. I drink way more of these than I should. Because it just goes down so easy. Luckily, so. our bartender just walked in, and yeah. uh, if we do run low, he, uh, <laughs> he, he, he can go and grab us a new one. Thanks, Joey. <laughs> uh, so uh, uh, we've been hearing that a lot. Uh, it's definitely the trend to do your hops later in the boil, yeah. to do mm-hmm. less bittering hops right, yeah. and more finishing hops. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we know uh, from a couple previous episodes and talking about it, that uh, has the effect of having more flavor uh, at sort of uh, upfront and less heaviness, less bitterness to the body of the beer. Yeah. Uh, can you? Is are there any other uh, effects that you you guys have found, or is that pretty much the driving the driving force there? That's the the main thing. Gotta get, get a more aroma and less bitterness. You know, a lot of people love that hop flavor, but um, you know, if you did as many hops as we have it here up front, you know, in that boil. Uh, or early in the boil, you're gonna your your IBUs are gonna be through the roof. So, um, you know, for me, one of my favorite beers was Stone IPA for a long time, and then uh, I haven't drank it for a little while. And I had one not too long ago, and it was a different beer than I remember. It's a lot more bitter just because of the IPAs that I drink these days. Uh, not just from us, but you know, from a lot of other local brewers as well. Um, you know, they're uh, they don't have that bitterness. They're a lot lighter bodied, and um, it's kind of you know when you're taken away from something and go back to it. Um, kind of, you know, kind of for me, it took me by shock a little bit. Um, yeah, I think that's just kind of the trend of what people are doing nowadays is doing the, um, you know, more aroma, uh, later edition hops. Well, I think what people are trying to do is 
broader audience. You yeah. don't want to scare people off with saying like, this is our brand. It's bitter as hell. Can yeah. have stone built their yeah. um, fan base off of and their name. I mean, it's, Nowadays, you kind of have to be a little bit more cautious as to knowing that not everybody likes a really messed up like, beer I that's going to rip your palate like off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think the pressure is even more on us being in between the stadium here in Disneyland. We get a lot of people from out of town who aren't necessarily from mm-hmm. beer drinking communities, you know? Oh, We're talking like Midwest and, and all of that. So an IPA, that, that those three letters can be very scary for someone who's not a beer drinker but wants to try it. And so... Hopefully what we do is our approach is really good drinkable beers, no matter where you're from. And it's better on a hot day. I mean, let's just face it, you know, in Southern California, you don't necessarily want to be chewing your beer all the time. You know, you might want to be, you might be able to drink one pint of really heavy, bitter beer, but you know, that's not what people want to sit around drinking all day. One and done doesn't keep the lights on for us. Right. Or or anything, right? No, I made that mistake of taking too yeah. many barrel-aged beers to a, a music <laughs> festival. And I was like, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> but, but actually, I see on here you got one called uh, Make It Rain Imperial Stout. Is that the only stout you guys have right now? At this moment in time, yeah. yeah we've got, well, we can do up to four nitro faucets. Um, I guess you could do a stout, not on nitro, but uh, we uh, we try to keep it at one or two. We like having uh, an Imperial Stout on at all times. Um, and then sometimes we'll do like a milk stout or a lighter, bo- lighter bodied one, but going into, um, going into springtime that, uh, it just makes sense to, uh, go with some of the lighter beers. Totally. Um, kind of the problem is we rotate a new beer through and people love it. And then once it's gone, we're trying to move on to something else. We get people pissed that they don't have it and they want it again. So now it's like, anytime we want to do a new beer, it's like, we have to make the tough decision of what we're going to take off. And, um, and it's kind of tough because each of our beers have kind of established this little following. So um, now it's not just, you know, do we want to make a good beer is what are we going to replace it with yeah. or what, what, what is it going to replace? And is it going to be as good? Is it going to create the following that, the, that those beers have? So that's the, uh, that's the, like the all-star team question. You know, people complain that somebody missed the all-star team. It's like, well, who are you going to take off to put the guy you wanted on? Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that's exactly how, how it works. So, um, you know, and even me and Bob will have that that discussion. Uh, you know, he'll 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 be wanting to put a new beer on, or hey, let's try this. Um, and it's like, okay, what beer are we gonna take off in order to do that? And, th- and then it's kind of a you know a tough decision. So, actually, a uh, question about the this animation we're we're drinking right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have like a solid contract of a time frame with Disney, or how does that work? Long-term deal. So that that's all we know. They don't really do contracts, but when they print you and put you up on a menu board, they say they don't like to change them very often because they're expensive to change. So they, we had to prove to them that there, nothing was going to change on our supply side before we went into it. And it wasn't like just a question. It was, they, they had worked with us for a long period of time. Uh, a few different follow-ups just to make sure like hey we're, we're we're printing and putting it on there we need to make sure like this is we're gonna be able to continue to get it so um, and i imagine disney's drinking a lot so how do you distribute to them well we used to have a distributor that handled the whole state of california and in one aspect that was nice and in another aspect that was really difficult with disney and then when they do their festivals we were doing 100 kegs a week with disney and um and their festivals and now, if you think about it, when you got a distributor, you need 
uh, you have an inventory at your brewery for when your purchase orders come, you have an inventory at the distributor, you got empty kegs at the distributor that have made it back and you haven't gotten in, you got an inventory of full and empty kegs at the account. So when they're doing those types of numbers, just the amount of kegs you need to supply it is really tough. So luckily our distributor kind of folded up their craft beer division. Um, so we were able to take back our distribution rights and now we just distribute direct to them every Tuesday and Friday. We'll send a van over there, load them up and, uh, it's just streamlined it. Uh, it's, it's a huge demand off the, uh, the Cooper's usage that with that we needed. So, um, so that helped us out big time. I mean, just about every brewery in Southern California would say they'd made it if they've got a contract making a you know, a beer that's on tap at, at California Adventure. So congratulations. Yeah. You can't you can't beat that. Thank you. Yeah, we're working yeah. on another one, too. We're doing a, a private label sour for uh, the, uh, the, Calif the Grand Californian Hotel. Hmm. That should be uh, that should be coming in next month. And that's going to be it's going to be a Berliner and it's going to be strawberry flavored from um, well, annually from what they say, April to through August and then September through March is going to be pomegranate. So oh, that's, that's going to be fun. And the pomegranate, so I was trying to get that all year because it's yeah. my, I like it better, but they wanted to, you know, switch it up per season, which, which makes sense. So yeah. We're, we're happy to do that. So, um, yeah, that, that, that's happening, uh, next month. So, so, so cool. since you have friends at Disney, <laughs> can you get me into Star Wars? Yeah. <laughs> that's actually the funny good thing question. is I actually have a season pass to Disney and my wife's sister got me into Star Wars land on, on a special ticket that my, um, my pass is blacked out on. So I can't even go. Oh, um, cause <laughs> that'll just get you into Star Wars land. Won't get you into the park and I can't get into the park. I mean, I guess I could pay retail price, but I'm too cheap for that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so ultimately the so answer the is no, is no, no, okay. I don't okay. think Disney we, we always get those really so Even if we're, even if we have a dolly with kegs on it, probably can't get into <laughs> that. You know what I was hoping I was trying to make a, a special late, uh, cause they're gonna have uh, beer and actually alcohol over in Star Wars land. And I was trying to do a private label beer for them over there. That's what else, and uh, I, I tried so hard. Yeah. I pulled all the strings I had and then I found out everything was being done in Florida. Have uh, coincidentally, I have some connections in Florida and um, even they couldn't get it done. So that wow. was a, uh, that, that that was a bummer. I was hoping for that. I think somebody got it. I don't know who it is, but somebody's well, gonna be uh, doing it. Don't, uh, don't necessarily give up. I mean, the uh, uh, when they first opened California Adventure, it looked pretty different than it looks now yeah. um so you know we're gonna keep pressing. wait wait patiently yeah. I, I imagine that there'll be some things that work and some things that don't work and i right. can't some imagine that get changed yeah i can't imagine that they wouldn't want you guys in there since it does so well in their park already yeah we've so. got a great relationship with them i know they want to give a, a opportunities to other people too and for all i know that might be one of those um you know, I don't want to say pay to play things, but they need to build out something there. Um, it, I, I don't know how that all works out, but, um, you know, Disney's been great to work with for us so far. And, you know, I, I'm happy with what we've got. So, yeah, it's a really amazing. Mm -hmm. I know uh, we were over there in California Adventure, whatever, Christmas time. Yeah, around Christmas. Uh, a friend got us in for one of those after hours events. Oh, nice. And there was lines at all the beer carts. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Everybody was drinking and having a good yeah. time. So. And it was like, you know, it wasn't a full park either. It may be, maybe like half of what they not, normally. Not even. Not even. Yeah, it was and, all after hours. But all the lines, they were at the beer. <laughs> they were yeah, and we're so, drinking. Yeah, so, we like those lines. We yeah. do. So uh, tell us a little bit about what you've got going on. I feel like we just talked to you 
about the Giants Bane yes. uh, while we were at the event. Is there anything else that's uh, brand new? I think that's our our newest one still. No, we haven't come out with anything super new since that. Uh, we've got some ideas in the works that we haven't quite pulled the trigger on. Uh, we're talking about doing a... We know we have a dark Mexican lager on. Uh, we're talking about maybe pulling some of that dark out and doing like a light Mexican lager. Tell us about that style. What's a dark Mexican lager? Maybe we'll taste that in a little while. Yes. Um, well, it, it, so uh, have you ever had Modelo Negro? Yes. That's exactly what we're going for. Okay, very good. <laughs> All right. Light, easy drinking, but yeah. not not crystal clear and I don't know. Something a little yeah. different. We went for a little body to it, I guess. Not, a not Corona. Than a, no, that's what we were going exactly. for. Yeah. yeah. No, no, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think uh, yeah. people have probably at least tried uh, Modelo Negro or at least know it exists. Right. So I think people have run into that. I think yeah. that's a, that's a good uh, comparison point right. for, for a lot of people. That's good. I think I've said it on here before, but my favorite Mexican beer is Modelo. So. Yeah. Yes. You know, and I don't think you're alone in that. I think even a lot of craft beer drinkers and even industry gravitate towards Modelo over other Mexican Why, why do you lagers. think that is? It doesn't taste like piss. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> Ultimately, that's a huge I mean, selling point, want, right? I mean, so seriously, yeah, and, um, and you know, you don't need to put a lime on it to kill the bacteria from right. uh, from the uh, substandard inventory standards. A lot of people don't know that they they throw a lime in there because they think it tastes good. It's like, well, you know, you you know, the real reason for putting a lime on a Corona is to kill any bacteria from substandard uh, inventory practices, not for not not to add to the flavor of your beer. Um, it doesn't hurt though. But no, it doesn't hurt. People started liking <laughs> it and that's why they do it. They take the lime, they shove it in there and douse it with salt. And, and they, yeah. Some, uh, what do they call it? Tahine. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like a sombrero, blow a whistle and come a thing. But yeah, that's, I mean, that wasn't the, the purpose of it. And I think Modelo is kind of one of the beers that doesn't taste like a, you know, I, I mean, don't get me wrong. You'll see me with a Corona if I'm in the right environment. Of course. But. but that's not a, we're not in that environment here in Anaheim, so my beer is not going to taste like that. Where's your beach? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> not in Anaheim. Actually, um, I don't know if you guys have heard of this beer. Uh, it's from the Dominican Republic, and it's called Presidente, and it's their. Uh, I think it's a lot. No, it's a it's a pilsner. It's a pilsner. Okay. Um, but I might be you know prejudiced because like I, my dad's Dominican, so but I just love that pilsner and i was just wondering if you guys have had it no they don't really they don't sell it out here it's only like on the where, where do you get it when you, when you do drink it i well i i brought it back from when okay. i was out there i brought a bunch back and but for some reason it's just like it's almost like a sweeter modello okay almost it's not as like i don't know uh i feel like modello is a little dry this yeah. one's a little more sweet and okay. like it's made for like you can just pound so you just <laughs> It's like, you know, humid weather over in right. Dominican. So, but I was just wondering if maybe you've had it before because yeah. uh, you should try to make a beer after that too next. Okay. You know? <laughs> well, we'll have to seek it out. <laughs> on, on the next podcast, you can bring us some and we'll uh, do some oh, yeah. yeah. We should do a trip <laughs> to the Dominican game. Ooh, oh, now we're talking. <laughs> you can write that off, right? All sure. inclusive. Well, that's something um, that I hadn't really thought of until you just said it right now. Uh, across the South, craft beers are starting to pick up but mostly you know growing up at least it was basically bud light and if you drank coors light or miller light they kind of look at you sideways uh, but craft beer still 
is sort of just now catching on in a lot of parts of the South. Some of that is because of distribution rules from state to state. But I think a lot of it is uh, people, it is hot, it is muggy, it is humid, and people don't want to drink heavy beer. They want to drink light beer that sure. is, you know, refreshing, quote unquote. Yeah. Uh, but here in, here in Anaheim, we've got, here in Southern California in general, we've got such eternal spring yeah. uh, most of the time with only slight variances. It rained the other day. Yeah. <laughs> this, this year it's been a little wetter. Yeah. But the point is that uh, there's only, is there really any style of beer that you can't make in this kind of weather or that you wouldn't want to make in this kind of weather? I mean, almost everything works, doesn't it? I think everything works, but in Southern California, I think IPAs are always going to be king. You've got to have multiple yeah. IPAs. You can't, yeah. you can't even just have uh, I think there, there's sort of a sense of belonging, you know, the peer pressure of you're not really a craft beer fan if you don't like IPAs, which I think is oh, stupid. Yeah. But there's something to be said about its drinkability in this weather, right? So there's a sense of belonging but a sense of the weather's just perfect for ipas and within that uh sort of genre you've got subgenres of hazy double ipa brew whatever uh, i think it kind of all works in this weather um so a session even with all the temperature controls that you guys have on the machines nowadays uh is there any style that's off limits i mean you guys technically could be making you know big imperial russian style stouts if yeah. you wanted to right mm -hmm. Probably would uh, sure. sell quite as well in hot right. weather. And but. so, yeah, so yeah, that's kind of what we look at is its sellability. Sure, we could do it. Uh, it would sell. Um, but comparatively, I think your half Hefeweizens, your IPAs, your, your lighter beers in this weather, uh, especially in summer, uh, are, are going to outsell all of that unless you're bottle logic. And then they do all <laughs> the big barrel age They stuff definitely and, have a niche. And, yeah. and they've worked that. And, 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 and it sells. Well, yeah. Everything they do sells well because it's that, all good. Yeah. So. So, uh, let me ask a sort of a brainstormy question and maybe you can sort of tell me why, sure. why I'm wrong, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I do that all the time. <laughs> yeah. So if you did brew, um, a big stout like that, is there a tech, we talked about how the technique is to put the hops in at the end to get a less bitter and, uh, more aromatic IPA. Is there a similar trick that you could use to get sort of a drier uh, stout and get, you know, get the specific gravity and get the sugars eaten, eaten up more and get less, less heaviness on the stout with yeah. that sort of stout flavor on top. I mean, if, if that's your goal, essentially, you just want to convert all those sugars. Yeah. Uh, so Don't leave it so sweet, get all those yeah. sugars converted into alcohol. Uh, so do you think, I guess my question is, do you think that would work? Sure. Oh, yeah. And uh, you would have something that, you know, still had all the flavors in it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, in fact, I don't personally don't like the sweeter candy, chocolatey. You know, I, I would prefer a drier stout when I do drink my stouts. Uh, so for me, that would be the goal is to absolutely do that. Um, Instead of finishing out at like one and a half or two Play-Doh, you finish out close to zero. Yeah. And uh, what, what, what does that mean? What's that word? So fermentable sugars, basically leaving any fermentable sugars in there. I'm creating some sort of sweetness. Um, you can uh, you can add some stuff to the to the fermentation and kind of re, re spark the um, the yeast to get brings back to life and um, you know con converts all those sugars. Would that be like a secondary fermentation? 
Um, no. It would be in the same no, it, fermenter. It, it, so yeah. you would be like transferring out okay. um, to, to a second fermenter. Yeah. And then, you know, hoping for more action. So basically, when, when we're doing like a brewed IPA, we'll do we'll add stuff called a Milo. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think it's just a... a mainly for the yeast to, it's an enzyme so yeah, yeah it's an enzyme that 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 gets the yeast kind of fired back up again so normally when you yeast would settle out and you finish around one and a half or two play-doh then um it, it gets it back up and um and you'll see like in our blow-off bucket we'll see the bubbles have completely stop pour some of that in there and the next day we'll see some activity going on yeah. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever done that with a stout obviously we've done with stouts, brutes sure. and, yeah sure. but I kind of want to do it now. Let's do it. Next time we <laughs> first out, let's do it. Because that's, well, I like drinking stouts too. I mean, you know, I, I like basically a shot of Jameson in a, in a Guinness kind of style, but, you know, you don't see that very much when it comes to the craft beers. Right. Uh, the, the stouts seem to get, seem to be getting in more in the bottle logic vein and style. Sure. You know, bigger and bigger and more barrel aged and more syrupy yeah. instead of more refined. And uh, lately, between talking about IPAs and then uh, we talked about it on another episode we did a, with uh, with Will from uh, Chapman. We were over at Haven doing uh, the Russian River uh, tasting flight that they did uh, for a brunch, which was great. But what I noticed is, which I hadn't, I guess, noticed about Russian River before, is that they're getting, it's very dry. You know, they're okay. keeping all the flavors and they're refining it as right. much as they can. It's almost like, you know, a dry dry white wine on the bottom it's almost barely even beer anymore when, yeah. when you get it that dry mm-hmm. and you guys were talking about a brewed ipa which is sort of the same technique right it just feels like um at least right at the moment people are thinking in terms of refining out some of the <coughs> the more sugary notes in beer uh sort of the less filling tastes great you know right. mantra yeah, yeah. I, I haven't seen that in the stouts yet and i hope that is a trend. I hope it trends that way. Uh, I, the trend I'm seeing is the whole pastry stout thing. Yeah, that's and even just, sweeter. Yeah, and it, yeah. That's so I feel like we're going sweeter than drier, and that goes against personally what I would like. Same. But you know, if it keeps the lights on, I will probably do it. Well, people. Yeah. I mean, if people are buying it, then that's yeah, you know, yeah. it is what it is. I, I mean, mean, there's some good ones. Want. Like I mean, like the coconut uh, stout from uh, the, the Patsy. What, what's oh, that one. That one's Barley Forge. Barley Forge. That one's good. good. The, Super the gold, popular. Yeah, the golden milk stout from Noble mm-hmm. across the street here. I mean, there are good ones, right. but I feel like they're far and in between. Because, like, I go to a restaurant now, and like yeah. you said, the trend is, like, the peachy stout. Right. And I'm like, you guys don't have, like, a real stout? I'm like, oh, no, that's yeah. – well, we have Guinness. And I'm like, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, yeah, now to that point, I, I think, uh, you know, the bigger – heavier stouts i mean even bottle like we're talking about yeah. most of those releases are very sweet even right. though they are barrel aged yeah they kind of have like this spectrum uh, i think like the main ones that are the most popular definitely do better for a reason it's right because they're not candy stouts yeah, yeah. but I mean, well and they also make you know they do smaller batch releases for some of those yeah um you know some of them, one of them's uh, i forget the name of it off the top of my head it's basically aiming to taste like rocky road ice cream yeah i forget the forget the name of that we'll have to talk to them when we when we hook up with them but um it's a yummy beer but that's it's sweet yeah yeah Yeah. but i'm sure that's what they're going for it is yeah that's that's why you know what we've got 16 beers on tap here and um 
and every one of them, you know, sells well. So it's, and they're very different, you know, um, you know, everybody's got a different palate. Everybody's looking for different things. And so what we try to do is try to have a wide variety of beer. So, you know, a group of people walks in the door and some, every person in that group is going to find something that, that they like. Totally. So, like I'm looking um, at the list now and it's pretty diverse. You got a little something of everything, but six of the 16 here are hoppy beers. Yep. And, and, and it's gotta goes, be, it's gotta be, it's yeah, that yeah. California thing. That's mm-hmm. what yep. we do. Tell yep. us a little bit about uh, the tasting room in Irvine. Uh, I haven't been down there. What's it like? Okay, so now it's just connected to the lamppost. Um, it's got, a, there's a little bit of a separation there, but um, yeah, they've got all of our, or most of our beers on tap most and a um, couple gas beers. And then, um, you know, they they serve food from lamppost. So it's just kind of like something. So, you know, family goes in, kids are a little bit older. Kids can go play in the game room, do whatever. Parents can be over on, you know, the pub side, having some beers, um, you know, and then, you know, food comes out and everybody meets at the table and um, kind of, yeah, I don't know. Parents have their game room and the kids have theirs. It's just kind of, um, yeah. I forget uh, who I was talking to and I forget what brewery they were talking about, frankly. But uh, somebody was saying that uh, if they were making their own beer and they had their own tap room, that they would probably not want to have rotating guest taps. Uh, and they were talking about some some uh, brewery that they had seen that had like almost as many guest taps as they had of their own beer. And they were they were saying how confident in your own product you must be to have that many rotating taps. Uh, you guys have some some guest taps. Tell us what that's like. Is you yeah. feel like it's well, friendly they're... competition or you're just hosting? No. no, if it was our choice, we wouldn't have any. Um, we do have a cider on, which is something that we can't produce because uh, of our license uh, doesn't allow us to. Um, the other part is it is connected with lamppost. All the beer is on the bar side. So, um, unfortunately the, you know, the, the lamppost side draws sometimes a different crowd than a craft beer side. So, you know, we got to appease to both, to, to, to our demographics. So, um, we do have to have some beers that, um, you know, the, those softball players and, um, sports teams, people that are hanging around, you know, to watch a football game or something, they're going to be there for three hours or sometimes, you know, people get there at 10 o'clock on a, you know, football Sunday, not leave till after the afternoon game's over. They're drinking craft beer for seven hours. They're going to be hammered. So <laughs> got to have some light beers on just, just, just for that element. If I was doing something, if it wasn't that, and it was just like Backstreet Brewery with food, then, um, then not, we probably wouldn't have any guest beers unless we just kind of did one featured thing where we rotated uh, something just to showcase, you know, a, a few of our personal favorites. But um, for what it is there, it's just kind of what it has to be. And you said, uh, I didn't know this, you need a separate license for ciders? For ciders. I don't think we can produce anything that doesn't have 50% of the, of the, uh, the grain bill be from well uh, be from grains so it's 50 percent of the fermentable sugars from grains so we couldn't do a mead we couldn't do a cider um i didn't know if we couldn't do anything like that so um yeah i think it's 50 percent. it might be less than that i don't know but um yeah so majority of our fermentable sugars have to come from all the barley is basically what it says Hmm. so so uh you think uh, so i guess a meadery is just a a different production license i think it's the same as a cider so okay. instead of that for a site, you know, for, sense, yeah. for those of you that don't know, our fermentable sugar is basically what turns into alcohol comes from malted barley, uh, ciders, it comes from fruit, meat, it comes from honey. So um, it, it, it's kind of the same process. The fact that you need a separate license is, is 
you know, not. I don't want to say it's dumb because uh, it's the ABC that creates that uh, stipulation <laughs> and you don't want to go against the ABC. They got all the control. Um, but yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, you um, think it would be harder to get a beer brewing license than a mead license because you have to heat the wort for the beer. We learned that from Alex at the, mm -hmm. at the honey pot that they don't even heat their wort uh, to get their fermentation or to get their boil rather they i mean they, they barely use any heat at all yeah. Yeah. i wonder how they even um sterilize it i mean i don't know that's great yeah yeah that's your sterile water knockout maybe with yeah. honey. They, I, I think they just use a suspension i don't think they boil they, he said he, they didn't boil the honey at all right mm -hmm. and they, they just, just let it, it they just let it eat it up and do its thing yeah its they just let the yeast eat the honey because yeah. you don't have to it's basically like a but even sterilizing already, the water. I think, isn't honey like a natural sterilizer? Maybe. Probably. I think there's something to that. Well, then, yeah, then that would make know. sense. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know a ton about meats, yeah. but um, I do you know that with us. But yeah, we'll see him tonight. Oh, that's true. We do have a raspberry sour that, um, I mean, it's nowhere near a cider as far as the way the way it's made mm -hmm. but the final result a lot of people that are looking for a cider if they taste our raspberry sour they're they're satisfied with it they're happy with it to, to move forward with that so um so for us yeah not having that it at least allows us to kind of meet you know that like i mentioned earlier that person in the group that's looking for something other than a typical beer if they're looking for a cider that usually checks the box for them for what they're looking for so. yeah uh mike from unswung was telling us that if they don't have a, some kind of sour on tap, somebody's going to ask for it and not be not be happy. They almost have to have something. Yeah, unfortunately, can't make everybody happy. But, you know, we got we got 15 or 16 opportunities to do so. Nice. So yeah. we, uh, we try. You, I'm happy. I'll tell you cool. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, we sort of stumbled in here. We were uh, we were looking for people to do uh, the podcast. And, and uh, Connor had been here before and he said, you got to try this place. You're never going to find it on your own. It's uh, tucked, no. yeah. tucked around the corner. Literally on a back street. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, so we, we came over here and, and started hanging out a little bit. And uh, you guys have have a very good product. Uh, everything we tasted, we liked. And uh, we, we started trying to email you guys right away. Yep. <laughs> and you guys, are, you guys are a straight shot to the stadium. Too. Yeah. We're and, right in between Angel Stadium and Disneyland. So it's walking distance to Angel Stadium, so that that helps. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't have to pay for parking. Come the cheap Uber to Disney. Come get better cheap beer Uber. for a lot less expensive. Yeah. And uh, I did Uber to Disney once. It was it was it was four dollars and ninety five nice. cents to Uber from here to Disney. So there you go. That was a God, slip, God so. knows what they're charging for parking at Disney uh, nowadays. Twenty more, more than to twenty five depends on where you park. It's like yeah. the beach now, Ugh. right? <laughs> Uh, so if you were going to uh, walk here from the stadium or vice versa, what's uh, what's your straight shot here? So straight you, up Ginatri. Straight, yeah. Basically, look up Google Maps on your phone so you don't get lost. Type in Backstreet Brewery Anaheim. It'll bring you right here. But <laughs> yeah, really uh, in between the five freeway and Angel Stadium off of Ginatri where they have that uh, the carpool exit from um, from Ginatri on the five freeway. There you go. That's uh, almost anybody who's ever been to an Angel game can yeah. can figure that out. So we definitely want uh, everybody to come out to the Backstreet Brewery. Uh, we are going to take a quick five. We're going to line up a couple tasters here so we can hear about the great products that they have. Uh, thank you to Tim and Bob for hanging out with us and their bartender, Joey. Sure. Okay. And who we've I believe we've met before. I have. Uh, <laughs> but uh, 
uh, glad you're here. And uh, we're gonna we're gonna taste some beer and hear hear a little bit more about the products in detail. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks. And we're back from our break, and now our table is covered in beer. That's a good thing. Yeah. In the glass. <laughs> in the glass. Yeah. It's, in the a, glass. it's a miracle of modern technology. Uh, you listen to a short ad, and we get a bunch of tasters in front of us. So keep listening to those ads, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're back with Tim and Bob, and we have uh, at least, what, five, six different kinds of beers on the table six here. Six for you, yeah. Very good. Uh, we're going to start with uh, the Blood Orange. Is it Blood Orange IPA? Blood Orange IPA. Okay. Pretty tell us simple. about it. Um, so we just canned this one. Congratulations. Um, uh, I'm going to throw it to Tim here in a second in terms of how to get that. We kind of talked about a little bit already, the direct consumer thing. Um, but because we just canned it, I wanted to make sure it was here on the table. Um, and I think it's drinking mighty fine. This is actually one of my favorite beers right now and a staple in my home fridge. That's because um, it's in cans. Cause it's so easy to take <laughs> home. Um, but no, I, I actually am really stoked. I don't like my IPAs overly sweet. Um, and so what I'm digging about this is I don't think the orange with the blood orange takes away from the IPA or vice versa. I think you've got a really good healthy balance of each uh, in terms of the flavors and how they uh, spread over the tongue. So um, I, I just went camping. I was up in Idaho for four days and this is all I drank for four <laughs> days. And I was a very happy man. Yeah, a happy camper. Happy camper. Happy camper. <laughs> Literally a cheers, happy camper. Yeah, cheers, cheers, guys. Uh, so this has the blood orange in it. Tell us how you uh, put that in and what stage you put that into your brain. Osmosis. No. Uh, <laughs> I'm it starts out at our, as our animation IPA. We do a big batch of that. And then we went from when we first started doing it, we went from just uh, adding a blood orange puree to the keg. So it is just basically our straight up our animation IPA and blood orange puree. Um, so it never goes, uh, you don't, you don't, uh, what did they call it? The back, uh, when they back, put it in the, uh, had a, I guess that was it. Yeah. They had a special uh, word for it when they were putting fruit in at the metery. They had a separate machine that was that they were using. Oh, uh, I can't remember no, off the top of my head. Either. So uh, tell us how you're doing it. Cause I think how you're doing it is a little bit differently than how we, well, yeah, we, we first started by just, just we have a special thing that we made for getting liquids into a keg um, other than beer. So it's like kind of a funnel connected to a, um, a keg coupler. And um, so we can uh, infuse whatever we want into a keg. So um, we'll just put the blood orange puree in there. That's how we started doing it. But now it's such a popular beer that when what we do is we did it by the keg and just keg off, put the blood orange puree in there and just top it off with the animation that mixes it up. Done deal. Um, then we went to doing it uh, 10 barrels at a time. So we'll do either a 30 or 40 barrel batch of animation, add the uh, blood orange to a, a 10 barrel bright tank and then transfer the beer into that. Um, and then that mixes on transfer. And, uh, and then we're doing 10 barrels at a time. Now this last batch we did, we did 30 barrels. We have 40 barrels. We, we did 40, yeah. We did 40 barrels um, on this last go around. So it's um, definitely a big seller. 40 barrels for those who don't know is about 80 uh, normal standard kegs, the half barrels. Um, is uh, when you put it in the bright tank uh, and it comes out, uh, are you sort of filtering out the, the pulp in the puree or is, there, is there's it all no going pulp in? in it. It's, 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 it's pretty, pretty pure. Yeah. Um, going in. So, okay. So um, it just goes into suspension. It, it basically distributes at that point. nicely. Yeah. Yeah, okay. The way we, we transfer on top of it, it just dusts it all out. Yeah. As you transfer it in, it's mixing, it's, it's an easy way to do it. It's consistent. That's the big thing. 
Um, uh, we've got our ratios down and uh, yeah, that's uh, delicious. So by the way. that, thank you. Yeah. It's one of our best sellers for sure. Um, it's not that. uncommon to walk in and see every single person sitting at the bar with a blood orange IPA. You can tell just by looking at it because the color. I probably have to change that keg out on the tap wall uh, more than any other keg on our tap wall right now. We've uh, we've talked to a couple of different breweries about purees, but I don't know that we've really talked about how it, the puree is made. I realized just now when I asked you, you know, is there pulp? And you're like, no, there's not really any. Uh, how do you guys make the puree and, and what's well, the process? We, we, we buy it. Oh, we okay. buy it done. So oh. there is some people that'll buy it you know, buy the fruit and create it themselves. All right. Um, no, we, we, we buy from a supplier. We have okay. an industrial food supplier. They do, they do tons of breweries and, um, I'm sure that know, helps with the labor big time. Yeah. And stuff. Uh, inefficiency. I mean, yeah. if you're, you're doing this stuff out for distribution or even throwing it in cans where you have tight margins, I mean, you can't do it with fresh fruit. Um, I think if this was a tasting room exclusive, we could probably do more of like everything all ourselves. Like what, like we were doing with our mango habanero right. half of Eisen yeah, yeah. up until just a yeah. couple weeks ago. But because we're, we're sending this out to accounts and, and the land yeah. posts and all that, there's just no way we could satisfy all of that. It, it would be a, a full-time job for me just doing that. Just, making, through, just making yeah, the oranges. Just, just we don't have a designated fruit healer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Plus, plus someday. It's, plus it's someday. consistency. You have, you have the same product every time. Exactly. Right? So yeah, you're, exactly. Not, you're not going, you know, oh, these oranges are different than last time yeah. or something. Right. So right. That's, that, I think, honestly, when it comes to to it, like, I just go with the consistency yeah. route. I mean, that's what what's what we do. We leave the the beer making to us and the, the fruit stuff to, to those guys. And we marry them in the bright tanks. And it's, yeah. And yeah, it's good. We just, like Bob was mentioning, we just canned it. Um, we're, we're going to be a little um, particular on on who distributes it out. We don't want to be on a on a shelf in six months on stored warm or anything like that. We want yeah. we, we've learned our lesson doing that. Like I mentioned earlier in the podcast, we had a, we had a distributor that would distribute things out. We didn't really know exactly where everything was going, and it's really hard to make sure uh, you're getting fresh product and everything's the best of what you're making. Um, we don't even know where it's going, so. What we did is um, we are going to go direct to some um, retailers, but they have to be willing to um, store it cold from the entire time they have it. Mm -hmm. um, so if somebody wants to keep it warm on a shelf, uh, you know, sorry, you can't buy it. Um, we're also doing it directly out of um, our our tasting room here in Anaheim and Irvine and then also in Vista. We're doing a. Uh, also a direct to consumer program. So we got deals with DoorDash and Bev.com. Um, Bev is B-E-V-V.com. -V -V, um, uh, and they, um, they're gonna be doing direct to consumer stuff. So with them, you can, well, DoorDash is, I think you're limited to within five miles of one of our three locations. So Anaheim, Vista or Irvine. And um, they'll come pick it up from the brewery and take it straight to your door. So if and it costs $1.99. Really? <laughs> $1.99 delivery. You're gonna spend that more more than that in gas to get it there to get to a store to buy beer. So Just for the delivery, though, not for the beer. So right. if I'm for, in the no $1.99 for the delivery. Okay. <laughs> so if I'm in the parking lot at Angel Stadium before a game. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you wanna I think Angel Stadium has That's, rules yeah. against that and we don't <laughs> condone that. <laughs> but if but that's what yeah, you so want to do. DoorDash will have a $1.99 delivery fee. Um, I don't know what Bev's is. We literally just started off with them, but Bev is going to have um, two separate elements to their deal. They're going to do kind of just like DoorDash where they come, they have a driver that um, I think they work on kind of like an Uber system where they just find a local driver. They, yeah. they, they pick up the order 
um, on their phone. They accepted the order, I should say. Come by the brewery, pick up the beer and deliver it to your door. And then we're also doing a, um, a statewide shipping program. So we'll get an email when somebody places an order, package up the beer, and then UPS will come pick it up. And, I, you know, you'll have your beer in you know, a couple of days. But, um, yeah, so we'll have the two, two different little avenues there to get, get our beer from the brewery to people's kitchens, you know, or in people's hands. I think that's so. a great construct. I haven't even heard of a brewery doing something like that. So we want it I fresh. Mean, yeah. Like as far as like DoorDash and, you know. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, I mean, I think if people aren't doing it, I think they probably will. They'll start. Um, yeah, the freshness issue uh, we talked a lot about uh, with a couple different people recently. It, seemed, I, it used to be, correct me if I'm wrong, but it used to be, you know, you'd bring a keg to even a restaurant and they might just store it, you know, store the store it basically in a back room and then have it there warm for God knows how long. Yeah, right? we, we, we still see it. I've delivered to people and they've sure. done it. And, um, you know, it, it, it's not ideal for the beer. And you let them know. And there's only so much you can, you know, educate people on. But, you know, it's definitely not good for the beer. It also creates foaming issues. You're going to have carbonation issues, too. And, um, you know, those people that store them warm or, you know, especially on draft, they're, you're, they're going to find they're pouring a lot of beer down the drain because that, that beer warms up and it just messes with your carbonation. So. Yeah, no, I, I uh, used to distribute for Stone and uh, I'm not going to say the name of the place, but, well, there's a lot of places, unfortunately, in Newport specifically. And I came to the place one day and I was like, where do you want it in the kitchen? And they're like, no, no, outside. I was like, outside. I literally have a shed outside a metal shed oh my gosh metal metal where they store all their beer that's dropped off oh my gosh and i after that i was like i'm never coming to this place ever like it's and it's a popular spot but i mean like i'm not gonna talk crap on like this specific spot but it wasn't it wasn't only them a lot and it's because there's limited space available in beach spots like that well and the other problem is that people are catch starting to catch on a little bit more but some beers are built to travel, you know, big, yeah. big yeah. giant beers out of Milwaukee yeah. are a little bit more built to travel than some of this stuff that has, you know, more nuance to it. Yeah. Um, and there's just a difference. You know, you wouldn't, uh, uh, I'm sure we could read books about the proper ways to store bottles of red wine, mm-hmm. but, you know, only the people who are making the beer are really thinking about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a little unfortunate, aren't, you know, but because of that, you know, we're we're particular about who's going to be uh, be able to, you know, sell our beers and um, definitely going to be a little bit, um, you know, we care about the product. So we uh, we want to make sure that it, that it's getting to people fresh. So that's why we're doing that direct to consumer uh, program. So links um, to all that stuff can be, uh, be found on our website. So backstreetbrew.com, just B-R-E-W dot com. Um, and um and they can go direct, click a link, and it takes it right into their ordering system. So, um, I, I, I know I'm going to try it. Uh, that's an interesting thing. I think everybody should give it a whirl and see see how that works out for them. Yeah, it's kind of you know where we see the future going, um, and uh, kind of want to be on the forefront of it. You know, when once our distributor closed up, it, we we kind of envision this as being our uh, our next way around it. Um, so there's two two different elements we 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 wanted to do is the direct to consumer. And then instead of doing all the little, um, you know, one case here, one case there, 
uh, distribution stuff. We just held on to our big accounts. And then um, for our capacity here in the brewery, we, uh, we decided to utilize that for contract brewing. So I don't know if you want to use this as a segment into that. Yeah, uh, you seem like that's sort of the next uh, big door that you're trying to kick open. So tell yeah, us all about it. So uh, um, wait, before you answer that, uh, let's go to the next beer because we won't make it yeah. through if we don't keep yeah, drinking. Yeah, right. So well, we talked about the uh, Mexican lager earlier. Mm -hmm. Since we've already talked about it, let's drink it while we're talking about the next thing. Very there good. Go. So that's this one right here. Okay. So this is the uh, Mexican amber lager. Correct. All right, and this is a uh, sort of a Modelo Negro style, or maybe a Dos Equis Amber style, right? That, that was the goal, yeah. All Absolutely. right. Uh, and so the question there, uh, again, was uh, what are you doing with contract brewing? What's what's next for that? Contract brewing. So we've got a bunch of different elements of what we're doing. We've got uh, probably eight or ten other brands that we've contract brewed for. Um, we are doing, doing like work for some uh, existing breweries that some don't have the capacity to um, to to kind of keep up with demand. So we, we brew finished product for them. We've got some that don't have the space for a brew house. We've got some that don't have the money for a brew house. So we'll do some unfermented work for them. Take they take they have a transport tank, take it back to their breweries, ferment it out there. Um, so just the actual brew day is done on our system. I did not know that you could their, do that on for beers. I know wineries, so. you know. Uh, some quote unquote wineries, you know, basically order their their grape slurry or their grape wort, whatever, right. whatever name it is. And it's, we basically we do it just like the wineries as, as you know, a bunch of different elements of it, just like that with wineries. They'll do just just the grapes. Some some do it from just the actual grapes, some, you know, ready to, to ferment some, you know, finished stuff where they just throw their label on it. Yeah. So um, we're basically doing the same thing and we're doing all aspects of it. We do the unfermented wort for them to brew at theirs or ferment back at their uh, brewers. We've got uh, some that we'll send finished product to. And then uh, we've also got a few other brands. We've got a gluten-free brand. We've, we were doing a non-alcoholic brand. We're not doing them anymore. But um, sure. we're also doing our <laughs> our beer um, under private label. We'll take a few of our select recipes and, and we'll let we'll put another person's label on it. And they go out, they, they'll do the sales, they'll do the marketing, they'll, they'll gain the accounts and uh, we just supply it, distribute it. It comes in a backstreet keg, but I mean, only the, the people buying the beer know that. The retailer sees their tap handle. And, you know, it's a real, really a great way for people that uh, want to get into the industry. And, you know, if they don't know how to make the beer or if they do know how to make the beer, but don't have an extra million bucks laying around to pile this fancy, shiny equipment, um, you know, it's a way for them to actually be a part of it for a very little startup. So. Um, so is that something that you think more and more breweries are doing or you think you're uh, sort of on the bleeding edge when it comes to that? Because like I said, I've heard of that. For wineries and for grapes, uh, you know, there's one in Laguna on, on uh, Canyon Road that, you know, they basically get the the grapes and then they do the fermentation and the processing there on site. I have never heard of that for beer. Is that happening more and more often? I think it's a little uh, a little bit unique um, for us. It, it kind of fell into our lap. We uh, um, one of uh, Bob's. Uh, a brewer that he worked with at a beach city, which is no longer there. Um, ended up moving to another brewery and, uh, they didn't have the space, uh, for the brew house asked us if, if we could work out that deal, we weren't at capacity. It seemed a good way for us to, uh, 
to make make use of our equipment. And uh, we, so we kind of started out with them and um, it, it worked out really well. We've actually gained some friends out of it because, mm -hmm. you know, getting to know all those guys has been a lot of fun. And um, and, you know, all this equipment doesn't make any money if it's just sitting there. So you got to got to put it to use. So if we're not brewing on it, we might as well, you know, be letting some well either letting somebody else or using it for other people so because we knew their experience level uh, we actually will let them brew it on our system and they do all their own recipes this is nice. gun, this is gun will i don't i don't have any issue with dropping their name yeah. um they do handle all their fermentation they handle all their brewing uh they just use our brew house and go into a transport tank and then ferment it out there so they do 100 percent of everything they just use our brew house for an element of it okay. um but um yeah, uh, the, the relationship there has been uh, been great, you know, yeah, um, so we've enjoyed doing that and then just kind of elaborated on that. I think kind of word has gotten out um, that that we're willing to do that. And uh, so now people approach us and, um, you know, everything from, you know, shipping beers international for customers to, um, you know, just supplying, you know, a few cases here and there. So we, we've, we've kind of done it all. So cool. instead of distributing out to a bunch of little accounts, like I mentioned earlier, we kept our big ones. We're doing direct to consumer and then just doing the contract brewing. You know, we, we, we like doing that a lot better. Yeah. That sounds like um, it sounds like it's a way for you guys to, like you said, keep the keep the brew house running yeah. pretty consistently and not having to worry about, you know, smaller distribution. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's sometimes we'll do double brew, we'll, we'll brew twice a day, sometimes every day in a week. So it's it's definitely, um, you know, we're, we're, we're close to capacity now. Yeah. Um, we're definitely firing on all cylinders and- um, It's very rare that uh, Monday through Friday, we're not, there's not a brew going on in our system, if not two. Right. So, wow. Have you, uh, we, we were just drinking the, the amber Mexican lager, have you canned this before? No, but we should. It's can it seems like it'd be cannibal. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I said cannibal. <laughs> One of those crushable type beers that you can kind of drink all day. Yeah, you know, if it's it's good and fizzy. Yeah, as uh, was one of my friends used to say. It's good and fizzy. No, that was a that was a good one. That's uh that's exactly what I want at the game. Yeah. Get through the get through the day. So. It has a it has a note underneath it that tastes. Um, more more homemade i guess is the the nice way of saying it okay um the or not the nice way the right way of saying it because really it's the more industrialized ones that don't have as many notes right uh so uh what are you doing that's a little bit different with uh with that beer before we move on to the next one i don't well so i don't know what big beer how they make theirs so i don't know how i can speak to the different part of it right. uh i know there's a lot of love that goes into it and i don't think they do anything with the love <laughs> well di di uh, different for us let's talk recipe different for us there's quite a few things that are very different than the typical beers that or ingredients we use for our other beers uh it's basically 33 percent corn 33 percent six row which is the only beer that we'll use six row in and then 33% biscuit malt. So we do put okay. a tiny That's bit of um, biscuits. Yeah, we do put a tiny yeah, bit of, uh, <laughs> of midnight wheat in there to, to add the color. But I mean, it's just, they're just grains that we don't use in any of our other beers. So, okay. So, um, so that's good. That's probably why, why it's going to be so different. Um, so yeah, it kind of, you know, that's just, delicious. Just, just plays into the style of what, it, what, it's, what it should be. So, um, uh, what's a other than this style? Is there any other sort of uh, 
classic or typical style that you would use six row with? Maybe not you, or just in general. We don't in Arbery. It's the only one we use for the, okay. for that. And we really wanted that sort of a, an homage to that uh, that light beer, that Modelo esque, you know, mm -hmm. six row being sort of a two row is the higher quality base malt comparatively. Okay. Six row, we really wanted to kind of nod that Modelo style. Does it make it? Is it a little bit earthier taste? Is that is that kind of? I think your biscuit malt might be giving you that those yeah. flavors okay. that you're getting, but it, it's just I mean it's less fermentable. I think your two is going to give you more fermentable sugars. And it's just a it's just, it's just the only different type of um, barley. I think there's just the two types: there's the right. two row and the six row, row, are the only two types of, um, of of barley that are out there. And um, yeah, it just puts off a different flavor. I think a little bit lower on the fermentable sugars, which is probably why it's not used as much on the production scale but um i i think uh just based on region that's so um, well think of it uh like coffee there's two different types of coffee beans there's arabica and robusta if you're going to starbucks you're getting that good quality arabica bean if you're going folgers at your local ralph's it's back in the day it was robusta uh, which is just a lower slightly less quality so brewing is a little bit sort of the same in terms of those two base malts two row is always going to be the bigger fuller flavored grain mm -hmm. six rows just slightly off center of that. okay if that makes sense yeah, yeah i'm just always trying to trying to put a, a technique or a name to something that is on my tongue you know i'm just happy i got to slide my 10 years at starbucks in here uh, <laughs> that's another thing that keeps coming up uh you know coffee has come up in almost every episode yeah. i don't yeah. you know it just keeps coming around um okay so we were going to talk we did talk about contract brewing. We talked about that a lot. So let's talk about the third taster. Sure. What are we doing here, Bob? Um, let's do late to the party before we get to the bigger one. So this is our other IPA. Uh, and I go back and forth personally between the animation and the late to the party. Bob goes both ways. I go both ways. Oh my gosh. Uh, this is a all Citra <laughs> IPA, uh, all hops in the whirlpool and in the dry hop. So nothing in the boil. Nothing at all in the boil. Nothing at all hops. in the boil. We kill it. Throw in the whirlpool and then dry hop it. That is excellent. Hence the reason late to the party. The hops are it's late all to late the process. Editions, so. I, I guess I haven't been here in a while because I mean I don't remember any of these beers at all. I mean it's I mean we came that one day and it was really well. Was really what orange obviously was here, and I think the winter warmer was here. Was when, it okay. the last time we were yeah. here? Yeah, late to the party's been here. Late to the party would have been on, but it. there was a yeah, few weeks where it. we uh, went were sold on. out. So yeah, we may okay. have been sold out when you came in if it wasn't. He has a pretty good eye for it. I usually just start drinking and I kind of remember things later, yeah. but he usually pays more attention to that and takes pictures of the board. Hey, everybody, me, I started drinking. I don't remember things at all. Yeah, so. see, uh, yeah, that's that's more how I am too. Yeah. I, ate it. I remember the sandwich I ate later. This is fantastic. <laughs> so yeah, the late to the party, super light body. Um, you'll, you'll probably see a little bit of haze in there. Uh, yeah. It's not hazy. It's just there's so much uh, dry hop in there that it cr creates like kind of a hop haze in there. And we don't filter. So yeah, we don't filter it, but um, but with our cold crash, so it usually clears out. So our you don't have to enough, label but. every beer unfiltered. No, I mean <laughs> we might just be lazy in that regard, but we did. <laughs> no, I, we, we, I've found right. in a lot of breweries they were like, yeah. like we've always done that. Yeah. I don't know how that became a <laughs> staple, but yeah. you know, like yeah. a fact. cold filtered is my favorite one. Oh yeah. yeah. Cold filtered. It's cold like, wait, filtered. Huh? You're on the we silver up yeah, You filter after <laughs> you filter. crash. It's supposed to be. Cold. <laughs> is there any other way? <laughs> yeah. No. I, yeah. 
Anyway, marketing. Back um, to the back to the beer. No, we should find out if somebody is hot filtering. I mean, I don't yeah. know how. I'm not sure how you would do that, but yeah, it makes no sense. No, because yeah. you don't even add the yeast until it's cooled off, right? Right. Okay. Well, by the time you're filtering, you've dropped everything, all yeah. that yeast and junk out, and it should be at crash temperature. So. <laughs> But this is great. I Anyways, late to the party. Beer. This is one of our yeah. better ones. This is something that we was supposed to be a rotating beer, as I mentioned earlier. Don't we were trying to do that and take it off, and we it just can't be replaced now. It's got, so what, it's got a too big a following. What I love it. about this beer is um, I think if you have been a longtime Backstreet customer, there's an evolution of uh, kind of a changing of how IPAs have been created over the last four, or five, six years. Yeah. I think this strictly follows an evolution of... We want that less hops up front in your face, cloying beer uh, and more drinkable, you know. And so this one, I think, uh, follows that progression of IPAs within our own um, sort of catalog of IPAs. Well, this is take you pretty much taking it to the limit. I mean, you can't put in hops any later than right. not yeah. in the oil, right? Yeah. Maybe not in the Whirlpool or just do it all late edition. Which is like our hazy. Yeah. We only so, put a few pounds in the Whirlpool right. and then just the rest is dried so. up. But so, um, honestly, I like to call this a, a modern day IPA. I'm trying to get it to take on. Nobody, nobody is really a modern cares. IPA, modern day IPA. And, it's not and, a West Coast. It's a modern day IPA. It's not taking off, but I'm trying. Say uh, you got to give it a catchy, uh, catchy thing. Like is that instead of is? a DIPA for double, call it an MIPA. Oh, there and you then go. people will be like, ooh, what's that M stand for? And you'd be like, modern. This is a modern, modern. IPA. Modern. I just think Dude. I'm not a trend starter like I think I am, but I'm still, <laughs> I'm still going to try. No, you just got to start throwing MIPA. Yeah, I'll be I'll be totally honest. If you had lined this up and given me sort of a Pepsi challenge blind taste test, I'm not sure I would have identified this as an IPA. I would have said I would have said I'm not sure what style this is. This, you you this taste is the different. Actually, it's funny you said that we uh, submitted it to JBF one year. And we got our results back and, you know, we love this beer. We expected, you know, at least to be at the final table or something with it because we know how good it is. They know what and to do then we it. get back on our, uh, you know, our reviews and it's like, you know, not characteristic to style was checked on everyone. And it's like, well, yeah, it's not supposed to be. Well, you know, if it doesn't fit in that category, it's not going to not going to medal. So it doesn't really um, make sense because there's beers entered all the time in that festival that you know, Right. Really don't match it, the It's sort style. of a weird between follow our rules, but be progressive. Yeah. And you got to walk that fine line and kind of check as many boxes on both sides of that aisle as well, possible. You may have, you may have in, a little bit kind of invented something here. Um, I'm taking Crowlers in that homestead. That is my, that's fantastic. Great. That, uh, Absolutely. that actually was kind of something that Noble ran into early on yeah. when they did the Golden Milk Stout. You know, um, now everybody's kind of heard of it. But the first time that they started doing it, it kind of didn't fit in any of the categories the that sauce? they had. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's a fantastic beer. Right. And it was kind of, in a, uh, I mean, I don't know if it was a completely original style, like they just invented it out of thin air, but it's it was enough of a departure sure. style-wise that it wasn't fitting neatly into any category. I think you guys are kind of onto something here. If you want to mm -hmm. call, I mean... That's uh, good company, was, so we'll take it. Yeah. I mean, I was kind of <laughs> half joking, but MIPA, yeah. you know... Uh, as a as a good moniker for the late edition hops, uh, yeah. you know, and that's we talked about how that was a trend earlier in the in the episode here. You know, you, you maybe you maybe are on to something. No, you definitely are. I mean, that's that's really well awesome. because I've had the Citra from uh, who is it? Who, who releases the Citra Double? Um, 
every brewery. Yeah, yeah. Much I pretty much everybody <laughs> uses one that I was thinking Which is the reason why I can't get it anymore. Yeah, the know. most popular I know is Beachwood has, it, has their Citraholic. That's yeah. uh, Citra that's really popular. Hogs popular. No, it's one up north. It's a uh, Russian, not Russian. It's a, uh, oh God, what river? <laughs> Kern. Kern River. Kern. Oh, okay. Re- yeah. They release oh. their Citra. Yeah. It's just called. You brought Cit- me home some. Which one was it? Uh, it's just called Citra. Yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway, Citra's up. Uh, it's a great hop. It's super popular right now. Hard to get. Uh, yeah. But, uh, but honestly, yeah, honestly that's one of the like top five I've had that like you did, you did it right. That blew my mind right now. It's, so it's, it's different. Yeah. It, the, you guys, whatever you did to it, do it again. It's modern not, day. Next time you go to a place, modern. ask them if they got a modern day idea. Yeah. Uh, uh, not characteristic <laughs> to style. And still a good beer might mean that you've invented something, basically. Hey, I'll yeah. take it. I mean, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pass on the GABF medal if people are coming in for it. So, yeah. well, you know, they just have to adapt. Yeah. Sooner it'll be a, a sooner it'll be a category, a modern you'll day like, IPA category. You'll be okay. like, we we were doing that. You know, it'll be. Uh, I yelled at somebody. Uh, we went to go see a podcast uh, a couple weeks ago. It was a Saturday night up at uh, Hollywood Improv, and uh, Stephen Weber from Wings was one of the guests. Nice. And uh, see, so there you go. I love that. Show. And. <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, it was a late, it, I think they actually call it the night show podcast. And it was late. Like we were standing in line to get in at 1030 and we were already on a good one. And anyway, so Stephen Weber's talking and they said something, uh, I, you know, cause I'm a jerk. I yelled out from the audience. I was like, and they've been stealing from you for 20 years. You know, it's, that's, what's going to happen to you. You guys invented a style and the, people are going to be ripping you off forever. If you don't, uh, well, get on I don't know that we're the first ones that have been doing it, but hopefully um, they do it enough that, that it viral. changes the, uh, JBF category. We can maybe meddle it. Hey, get, a, get, a, get a new character. Listen. Get a new right. category. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey, they listen, they, they, they've, they've added a few this year and yeah. we'll see, well, last year and we'll see what. I think what last year was the year. first time Hazy was. Hazy had a category. Right? Yeah. They, yeah, they've, from what I understand, they've been good about expanding the number of categories. Yeah. You know, more more lately. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so there are still a couple of beers here to taste before there they get are. warm. Um, let's do the mango habanero before we go to the dark beers. Yeah. So that's okay. this guy right here. So you can watch me out. turn all kinds of different colors. So don't let the name scare you. Don't let the name scare you. It is a mild. Intentionally mild. I mean, I'm not complaining. Yeah. I uh, I grew up in I grew up in Louisiana, so I'm used to spicy. Ooh, yeah. But uh, habanero spicy uh, gets people in the South to to cross so their eyes. So go ahead and take a sip first, and then because it's going to completely change. Yeah. After you taste it, you hear habanero. It, the taste isn't, and then just wait. Slow burn. You gotta wait. You gotta wait. I guarantee you, there's no wider person at this table than me. (laughs) I can drink this beer. I will take the Pepsi challenge with that. (laughs) So yeah, so what we intended to do on this one is have the mango on the front, so you get that going down, and then just have like a little tingle on your tongue from the habanero. That's that's really well done. Not have the habanero be overpowering. It's not. It's really balanced. Um, We just, we just, you know, we want it to be enough to to where you know it's there, but we don't want it to be like, oh, I can't drink. Uh, not to make you give away all your secrets, but uh, what's the technique there? How are you doing it? Love that one. <laughs> we might kind of hold hold tight. So the blood okay. orange, I'll let you, or the um, the mango, I'll let you know. We we just switched from uh, fresh mango fruit to a mango puree, just because. It, well, one we, when we did the fresh fruit, it was just such a pain in the ass, and we yeah. just sell yes. way too much of it to be able to do it. Yeah. Um, so moving to the puree had it a lot more consistent and um and it's allowing us to do a larger volume so 
Um, so yeah, so we're we're switched to a puree. The the habanero, we're we're gonna hold that one a little tight just because it's a, a little bit I unique. Here's what will say about the habanero without giving away <laughs> any kind of recipe thing. If you come in here in about August or September, the habaneros are homegrown from my garden. Nice. Whoa. Yeah. It's the only reason I grow habaneros. He's been saying like that I for said, two years. I'm yet to see a habanero from his garden. That's okay. That's because I'm the one that makes this beer. He never sees it because I make the beer. Uh, so, right. so they're like, so they're whitewashed habaneros. Is what you're saying? Oh my gosh! Is that, like, I don't wash them. <laughs> Very no. nice. They're, they are. They're uh, so, and so. Obviously, summer being a pepper growing time, uh-huh. when it's not summer, we have to get our peppers from other regions. But I personally love close to home as possible. And so the only time I, I've got a garden at home, I don't eat habaneros as a staple in my diet. I only grow them for here. So so I was going to say, uh, uh, ask, mm-hmm. do you guys make a michelada out of this? We don't, and only because that has never been. I'm, I don't have zero experience doing it. I'm not opposed to it, but I'm just, somebody, I've done um, it a couple times. Not not a michelada. I've you got to speak up, Joey, if you're going to be on the podcast. You got to get in here. Done a tahini rim on the just on the rimmer of the mango. Yeah, and it actually tastes great. That and the raspberry sour taste really great. With so we're going to outsource the michelada to uh, Joey because he has the experience, and I don't. Because I'm I was at a. I was at a, the, a, the Dodger game the other night and had a Michelada there, and I was like, "Yeah, it's all right," because it's using one of those big brands. Sure. I, I asked for Modelo, but they didn't have it for some <laughs> unfathomable reason. Yeah. I, was <laughs> I was pissed, but um, <laughs> this would kill a Michelada. Man. Okay, this is this is uh, it's got the right kick for it. We were yeah. talking about Modelo, and I'm telling you, this is this is a perfect okay. spice blend for a Michelada, man. This is delicious. We're gonna make that happen. I didn't want to take away from the beer. That's why I just a little tahini rims to get that little extra. Yeah. But that, I mean, if you think it'll work out, maybe give it a shot. Right? Hey, some people, some people just love Bloody Mary mix. I, I'm not that big on it myself, but uh, it's one of the best selling drinks in the world for a reason. I, I, guess. I got a little brown in me, so it, it works out. Yeah, so. there you go. <laughs> but no, you're right. The this is the exact right amount of kick for um for Bloody Mary mix style mm-hmm. drink. That's that's a really good idea. Actually. You guys are really impressing me today. Good stuff. We brought our A game for you guys. Yeah, yeah really. Good so stuff. I feel like um, now that we've had like a question that people were unwilling to answer, I feel like we're a little bit like journalists now. <laughs> perhaps. Yeah. Perhaps. Okay. Perhaps. I think I figured out the secret though. <laughs> well, there's obviously fresh habaneros in there. Bob, uh, Bob said they come from his garden. So yeah, those are fresh habaneros. He just wanted to rain on my brain. We yeah. will. Uh, we will say that. It's it's very yummy. And how the uh, heat ends up into the beer, that will hold time. My wife is very big on the mango habanero uh, style chicken wings. She will definitely want to be uh, sampling yeah, this next time. Yeah, yep. oh, that's a good idea. Very good. Mm. Or she could cook chicken wings in it. She could, I was going to yeah, say, this would be a pretty good marinade, actually. There you go. We will send you two. One to drink, one to bring us back chicken wings with. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's actually not a bad idea. Should we go for that? Um, what is the dark styles now? Before dark we get styles. To, so before we get to the next food. dark style is what I'm stoked on is the, our winter warmer, and so uh, I love using English yeast, um, an English ale style yeast, and uh, if I can find it, uh, English grains. Um, I suppose that speaks to the English side of me. 
Um, but really what I want to do is just drink, uh, brew a dark ale that uh, would be fun to drink in the winter when we drink our, our, our darker beers and, and, and whatnot. So we're, we're, we're in the middle of May and we still have a little bit left, but I just really was stoked on this beer. So I wanted to bring it out to you. So Yeah, I was going to say, you have a winter warmer in May. It's yeah, interesting. it's the last dredges of our winter warmer, uh, but we still have a little bit on. It's also something we did a big batch of. We're not distributing it out, or right. it's only in, only in the taste room. The problem but. in Southern California is even in winter we have nice weather. Yeah, <laughs> we still like our IPAs, but this happens to be a personal favorite of mine. That's nice. It's a very like uh, it's light in the body, so it's not yeah. overwhelming. Which Just a nice little roasty to yeah, it to was, make it yeah. feel warm. Was if it you're like eight and a half percent, something like that. Yeah, I think it says on there. Oh my god, ten three. No, no. Oh, it's ten three. We're supposed 10, to ten three. We're supposed to go talk to people right, after right, this. Yeah, so about, about, uh, you'll we'll be more interesting. More <laughs> we'll we'll definitely be, be more happy. Yeah, we'll definitely be uh, casual. <laughs> there you go. Well, uh, this one, basically what it is, it's kind of like an imperial brown ale. Yeah. Um, and then what do you put in there? Nutmeg? Nutmeg. Lemon peel? No, no, no. Uh, toasted cinnamon. I, I took Toast. my little... It's the same torch I use for my cigars that I flambéed a little bit of cinnamon for. Very good. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you did orange peel. and orange peel. Orange peel. Yeah, those so, are uh, some classic, classic yeah. winter aromatics. Which is really what I was going for. Bob so. loves the blowtorch too. If you can give an opportunity to uh, to use the blowtorch for something, he, he's well, going to do it. There is not a greater invention than fire, and <laughs> fire like, fire that you can shoot at things. That you can shoot at <laughs> things. Whether I'm lighting a cigar or my the wood in my fire pit. Invention or discovery? I mean. We will never know. <laughs> that is an argument. <laughs> Which came first? Actually, I watched this documentary. Um, oh my gosh! No, no, listen, <laughs> <laughs> it's called "It's called How the World How the World Was Saved by Beer." It's very interesting. I don't know. It's all, all theories, but it's really interesting stuff. They thought they thought how people discovered fermentable sugar in beer mm -hmm. was they left out like hunter gatherers left out a pot and they went through some rains and they came back and it was like fermenting. And they thought maybe that's how they discovered. Was, was Mike Rowe the narrator on that one? I honestly don't remember. It was years ago. So I think it was. I think I've seen yeah. that one. It's really interesting. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of theories as to how well fermentable sugars came about, but or like how to make alcohol. Period. Yeah. But that's one of the theories <laughs> of that they just left out this grain in the big old pot, but and rains came and went. And they forgot geographically about it. at the same point in different regions it seems like beer showed up at the same time yeah a lot of times it's attributed to the egyptians mm -hmm. uh asian culture europeans it yeah. all kind of sort of shows up at the same time right yeah in the same like somebody left out some bread it rained there was wild yeast in the air uh -huh. we have beer and it made everybody happy yep you know what i mean aliens that's all right? i can think of <laughs> aliens I but think, no same I, people that built the pyramids right aliens. exactly yeah but I mean, that's an interesting point about the Egyptians. They literally paid their the ones that weren't slaves right. building the pyramids. They paid the workers with beer, beer and yeah. bread. That was the currency. And so. they called it cash. Yep. That's where we get the cash. Really? Yeah. That's yep. where the ca cash comes from. Yep. This is the ancient Whoa. Egypt. Yeah, but they, I think they spell it K-S-H. Wow. I didn't know I was going to learn something new today, and I did. Yeah. Yeah. I was say, we've wow. either... We've either, either really learned something new or taken a horrible turn. I'm not really yeah. sure. <laughs> hey, you know what? I, I listened to a, a podcast on, and I, I love motorcycles. So I was in that industry. So I think I can steal this. 
uh, Jeff Emig, I'll give you credit for this one. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and that. uh, that's one of his lines. He says it a lot. Um, <laughs> I'm I, a I lawyer, kinda, so. <laughs> I kinda, you're a lawyer? Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so... I gotta say, if you're not right, well, we're not gonna let the facts get in the way of this. I'm okay with so that. Regardless. So, okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you after the podcast is over. Okay. Tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> all right so the went back to the winter warmer back to the winter warmer yes but the the flavor is really nice because it's not overly done with the right. cinnamon and stuff either yeah because so i've had some winter warmers i'm like god get that out of my face it's so i live by a simple rule don't fruit the beer and mm-hmm. that doesn't mean it can't have fruit in it but that's not the first flavor i want and whether that's an herb like you know cinnamon or orange peel or whatever I want to drink the beer first. I don't want everything else to complement it. So uh, in every recipe that I do and I contribute to, I'm hoping you drink, you taste the beer first and then everything else is complimentary. It's a a solid philosophy. And, you know, everybody's doing, that's the other thing we always talk about is, you know, the reason to visit different breweries, even if you have your favorites, is that people really are doing something different. You know, I, I, I like Rembrandts and I like Picasso's, but I would never mistake one for the other. Right. And uh, that's kind of what we're doing here in uh, in Southern California right now. Breweries keep springing up and I keep, uh, to be fair, some of them are a little bit more of the same. But frankly, the ones that uh, people are gravitating to and the ones that people are going back to have brewers who are younger have their own ideas, want to do something that's uh, got a little bit of a signature to it. Um, And I feel like this is a, I'm sure that in the late sixties and the mid seventies, California winemakers felt the same way that they were kind of on the bleeding edge of things. Uh, I feel like Southern California is doing more and more and there are breweries in other places, but this is a this is a hot region right now. Yeah. It'd be hard to deny that. Right. Yep. I agree. We're in some good company and that's and we like each other and that's why we're going tonight to our guild meeting and you know interact with technically our competitors that are also our friends and mm-hmm. um, you know kind of you know drink each other's beers and share share ideas to some extent. But uh, just really just just enjoy good beer and just talking about it. So totally. Uh, if you listen to our last episode, we uh, uh, while we're talking about that, we just want to say a little thank you. Uh, that event had us meet so many people. You are going to hear from uh, you're going to hear full episodes from so many people that we met at that event. So thank you to the OC Brewers Guild. That was a uh, a huge foot in the door for us and. Uh, I know that we're going to be working with them. I know, like we we haven't had an episode since then, and like I kind of like doing this today with you guys, which thank you very much. I, I, I kind of almost forgot how fun it is to talk to the brewers and the owners and their ideas. It's know, true. Like it's that. been a couple of weeks. It's been a couple of weeks. So I mean, thanks guys. I mean, we've, you, been, we've been. You know, the best this. part about it is you go into all these other breweries, and every single one's different. Yeah, it's like custom cars. Yeah. You know, like everyone's different. And some has something that's better than others, but you know, no, you know, nobody really cares. We're we're, we're here because we like it. Mm-hmm. We 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 do the best we can, 
And, um, you know, we just like inter interacting with people that, uh, that kind of do the same thing we do. And, and the, this whole industry is, is like that. You, you, you check out different, unique, you know, beers, locations, um, decor, everybody's got their own like character to it. So, well, my favorite um, part about it so far is that I can't stereotype a brewer because I like, I mean, people probably think of like, they well, I kill it because I don't have a beard, yeah, <laughs> you know, but you know what I mean? Like, everybody's has such a different personality, such different influence, such different ideas. Um, it's just really cool to you know, experience all that with uh you people and it, i mean it's just really interesting because before you and think different of, backgrounds yeah too. totally i mean everybody has their niche and it's just really fun figuring everybody out and just coming out and showing the world like everybody's a little different everybody's got good stuff also if you're within the sound of my voice and you've been listening to some of these you're probably have already visited a bunch of breweries but if you haven't come on down You've got to experience some of this for yourself. It used to be that Anaheim was kind of like Kissimmee um, in Florida. The only thing that people knew about Anaheim was that Disney World was, or Disneyland was here. That's just not the case anymore. There's so much to do here. Um, the city is huge. Just uh, 16 breweries, I think. Yeah, foot, just footprint wise, yeah. there's a lot to do here. There's a huge population and there's a ton of breweries and you know, short of, basically short of Northern San Diego County, Anaheim is the hot spot for breweries right now. So uh, come on down, come visit. You can always bring your kids into a brewery, believe it or not. You can actually even bring your dogs into most breweries. Come taste some of what we're talking about. Uh, you will not ever regret it. It is a very good use of your time. It, the weather's always beautiful. A very good use of your either leisure time or uh, if you are traveling vacation time come on down so before we wrap up here why don't we go over this last beer that's another 10.2 percent <laughs> we try to save those for the back end yeah. right <laughs> this um, is your recipe so i'm gonna oh take this man. yeah tell us all about it make Let's it make it rain r-e-i-g-n so this is an imperial stout um this is what we got we got some cold brew coffee in this one we've got a lot of brown sugar in this one yeah. we've got uh some unique malts that we wouldn't normally use i think there's even a touch of pilsner malt in this um it's kind of a unique imperial ipa we we um or uh sorry imperial stout we uh we aren't really known for our stouts or I think our IPAs are the ones that have the bigger following. So when we do a new stout or when it's time to rebrew our stout, we uh, pretty much change the recipe every time. So this is just our, uh, our latest and greatest. So, but I think uh, it gets better every time. Every tweak has been for the better. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. We learn as we go. And we were, uh, um, we were talking, Bob and I were talking about this over the break while, uh, while you guys were pouring so many breweries want to, you know, tout their consistency. And obviously for some beers that are your like uh, tentpole beers, you definitely want to have consistency. But the great thing about craft brewing is that not every batch is exactly the same. And you are trying to adjust recipes and make them better and more interesting. And uh, I think that's something that I, I hope we talk about more on the podcast. But I wanted to ask while we're here and drinking it, What's that evolution been like? You know, tell us about some of the big tweaks that you think have had big dividends. 
Well, uh, let's go back to the beginning of that question, though. Well, it's not really a question, more of a statement at the beginning <laughs> there with um, with refining beers. We do we have our main beers and we have our rotating beers. So you have basically customers that come in and they want late to the party or a red ale or animation IPA. That's what they want to get. Mango habanero half one. That one's got a following. People come in because we have that beer. Um, so you get some people that come in, they know what they want before, before they even walk in the door. You got another, another segment of people that come in and they look at the menu and they go, what's new. So really you kind of have to have the best of both worlds. You get, if you do everything new, every time you're never going to create those, that following for that particular style. If you do, um, if you do the same thing every time you're going to lose out on those people that are looking to switch it up a little bit. Um, so it is important to kind of do both. Um, we haven't, I, I don't feel like we've knocked it out of the park with any of our stouts to where we created, you know, something that we want it to be our, our, you know, go to something that we're going to, we're going to can or bottle or whatever. But I do think we have a very smooth Imperial stout where someone's going to taste it. Wow. That's 10%. I can't believe it. That's smooth. I and, agree with that. You know, that was, so that was kind of the first thing I thought actually. Yeah. So once, you know, we, we hit that mark and, and we're happy with it. But the next time we brew it, we'll probably do something different. I know we got a couple barrels of this and uh, some some whiskey barrels aging. Yep. Um, yeah. So we'll see how that comes out. Uh, we're, we'll probably age that one for a year. Yeah. Um, we're about what four months into it, three months into it, closer to three, I think. Yeah. So, um, so we got some time before that happens. But um, you know, we're, I don't think our egos are through the roof. I think we always are looking to improve, no matter you know, no matter what. We don't we don't feel like we're the best at everything. We just try to do our best at everything we can. So, um, yeah, I mean, we created a very smooth Imperial stout on this one, but if we get an idea or, you know, somebody, you know, give us a suggestion, we do ask questions when we talk to other brewers and, um, maybe learn a little bit along the way and then just try to incorporate that into any future recipes. So we would probably, this is a type of beer that we would probably, um, experiment with a little bit and, uh, just kind of see what's next when it, when it, when it comes to doing that recipe. So. So if I could speak to like maybe the broader sense of the question, I think one of the things that makes Backstreet work in general is uh, Timmy, Timmy likes a lot of the, the, the same beers. If I, I mean, I'm probably not saying that right. Um, where I, I go into a brewery, I want to try something new. And so he holds on to a lot of things that make Backstreet work. I love... I just want to try something new. And I think somewhere in the middle we meet and we've got a really cool um, tap list. And so some things are, are ever changing and, and a lot of things stay the same. And for a good reason, because we have a good following, people like it. It's just a good beer. Um, but when we make those changes, that's, you know, for me, that's what makes me super like kind of giddy, if mm -hmm. I can use that word and still sound macho. <laughs> and probably won't pull that off. Um, but I, I think the amalgamation of, of the two of us on the production side is what makes this whole thing work in a, in a very general sense. So um, I think between the two of us, we're going to keep you know pulling for what we each generally like in our own beers. But, for me personally, I'm only experimental in the IPA category. I yeah. like to kind of do new things in there. Uh, right. That's what I like to drink. You know, if I go to a place... Uh, that I hadn't been to before. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna try and find any any IPA um, 
that I hadn't had before. So yeah, um, that that that's me personally. Where Bob will kind of do that same thing, but he'll he'll expand it to other other beer yeah. styles. I think um, out of that is as a really cool creativity that comes out of what Backstreet is in Anaheim. So well, if you can uh, if you can do a mainstay that he wants to keep drinking every day, yeah, and he can do something experimental that you want to taste again. I guess you both know that it's probably a keeper, right? There right. You go. Actually, uh, from that real quick, um, how did you guys actually meet? I don't know if we asked that yet, but how did you guys become partners? So here, here's the thing. And I'm, this is a, a kind of a, a cool secret that I will tell anybody who wants to get into the production side of the industry. I answered an ad on probrewer.com and they hired me <laughs> and I've worked at four different breweries and three of those I've, answered ads on pro brewer so if you want to get into this industry probrewer.com's classifieds are legit now they have to pay us <laughs> there you I'll go hey, looking for sponsors for the podcast i'll let there you all go. work that out <laughs> i'm just messing with you guys but I, well hey there you go you never know and like it sounds like you guys get along i mean yeah. you got you got a yin, yin and yang going on and i mean it's a it's a good good system you got going on over here so i mean yeah, we try hard. We're always looking at, you know, we're all, we're always learning, you know, so um, we just try to uh, incorporate what we learn along the way into any future beers we do and, you know, re refine our existing ones with that. And uh, We really don't make any major changes to our mainstay beers because I don't think we really need to. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, any anything new, um, we definitely like to, uh, you know, take what we've learned along the way, along the way and incorporate that, and, you know. You want to make sure it's what you're trying to represent. You always want to do the best you can do. Yeah. So, you know, if you feel like you know everything, well, you know, <laughs> at, at some point you're going to get surpassed by everybody. So always. we just want to always be learning and just doing the best we can. And, you know, that, that's all we can ask for, really. Absolutely. Definitely. On that note, uh, let me say that uh, Connor and I were talking about something similar where we're always trying to build on what we can and build on what we've already talked about in the episodes. Thank you for joining us today. We're also always looking for uh, the opportunity to learn something new. And I think we've covered all of those bases today in this uh, in this episode. We learned a, a ton of things that I didn't hear about before. I didn't know Every pro, time. I didn't know probrewers.com existed. <laughs> so I'm uh, I'm excited to to scope that out and I recommend that you guys check that out too. Thank you to uh, Bob Whedon and to Tim Barrow here at Backstreet Brewery. Thank you to uh, Joey for sitting in and pouring some beers with us. It's been a really great afternoon. I know we're off to the OC Brewers Guild. Uh, is it a monthly meeting? Bi-monthly. Bi-monthly. Okay, bi-monthly meeting. It's in 20 and minutes. I know. We're going is to... Yeah. we got to wrap up and we're going to go oh, back to our, see our friends at uh, Brew Time again. So uh, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, the next episode is going to be uh, recorded... Uh, Monday the 20th. We're going to be at Good Beer with Brandon. So uh, tune in for that. And then, like I said, we are working on uh, inserting ourselves into the palette event. We're really excited about that. But uh, even if uh, even if we're not working it and recording there, we'll definitely be there. We hope to see you there, too. Thank you again. So I know Brandon from Good Beer. He took over my seat as treasurer of the uh, Brewers Guild. Very good. So you just got to ask him or you got to make sure he's doing at least as good a job as I as I did. I will. I will definitely. Just, that just let him know that the standard <laughs> was not set very high. <laughs> hey, craft beer drinkers. Thanks for listening to the Hollywood Growler and for the continued support of our journey of the beer world. Dan and I had a great time talking to Tim and Bob over at Backstreet Brewery in Anaheim, which had excellent beer, 
My favorite being their Citra IPA called Late to the Party. It was just delicious, way too drinkable. Uh, they had a great patio area where we recorded the episode while they were in the middle of a batch, actually. And we were lucky enough to see Tim in action a bit doing, uh, doing his craft there. But thank you, Tim and Bob. I mean, they even provided us with eight crawlers of their beer to take home. That was way too generous. Uh, thank you so much. I'm pretty sure we've gone through them already. Um, the brewery is walking distance uh, from Angel Stadium. So make sure you make a trip before you go to the Big A next time. In other news, on Thursday, June 6th, you can come find us at OC Palette Beer and Food Event at the Heritage Museum of Orange County in Santa Ana. Dan and I will be eating and drinking the fine crafts from chefs and brewers alike, as well as talking to them uh, about their art. The event runs from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. And uh, please remember to never put yourself or others at risk with drinking and driving. Just get a ride, call your mom, call your brother, just somebody, just don't do it, please. Um, But this is the Hollywood Growler. My name is Connor Simpson, your industry insider, and we will see you next week.